Shiokyo, our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha, and in this episode we'll be talking about episodes 167 to 172 of Sailor Moon Stars, wrapping up the dream arc because they didn't finish it in Super S. <laughs> they did finish the arc. Like, I feel like it ended in a... It ended in a good enough place, you know? They didn't finish it because there were no Outer Senshi and Nehalenia was still alive. <laughs> they finished Chibiusa's arc, though. and that's They finished Chibiusa's Chibiusa arc. And Chibiusa and Pegasus were a major focus of that arc. And, like, Pegasus wasn't involved at all at this, this last portion here. So Nehalenia's arc hadn't been finished, but Helios and Chibiusa's arc had finished. And then she came back for revenge. And then she came back. And, like, the reason why, and this is mostly me pushing for it, the reason why we're covering these six episodes, these first six episodes of What is Sailor Moon Stars, is because there are things that happen uh, in these six episodes that involve the Outer Century that I wanted to have available to discuss when we go into the character analysis for the Dream Arc uh, that we wouldn't Mm -hmm. have because the Outer Century did not exist in Super S. Right. So interestingly enough, while I was watching all six of these episodes uh, in a row, I sat there and I was just like, this is basically a movie. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. So if you cut out the opening and ending, the um, commercial break, and like the recaps at like the start of two of the episodes, you basically have uh, a little under two hours for a movie. Right, which I really enjoyed. You know, we were talking about the last couple seasons. One of the major issues that uh, rewatching it, one of the issues we've had rewatching it has been dealing with the monster of the week formula. And because this is written more like a movie where it's got all the episodes are intertwined with the through storyline, um, and it's not, you know, we don't have these little mini monsters that are different every single week that they have to defeat in basically the same way. Mm-hmm. The story is more complete, it's more compelling, and the setup and payoffs are just more interesting and, and done better. Um, every season has had something like starter episodes in the beginning, except for like the first season, obviously. You know, we had the Doom Tree arc, and we had these just like these episodes that we go through that were just like not part of the actual story. And even when we were getting into it, there were so many times we were asking, like, why are we just getting into it now? Why are we rushing through these story beats when we had an entire season to tell this story? And we don't have as many problems with that here with these six episodes it's complete they all kind of one chains into the next one we don't have a few huge variety of of little monsters by different names with their own little gimmicks we've got one villain it's nehelenia and we've got her little doppelgangers she's got these glass doppelgangers and those are Mm -hmm. the monsters they're fighting and that's the same monster they're fighting through the episodes is her her doppelgangers and it gives us more time to focus on the conflict within between the senshi the conflict between them and helenia and really feel kind of the the risk that it's is at hand as as everything plays out um yeah there were definitely more stakes in these six episodes than there were in like 80 percent of super s right so i know we're gonna break it down but do you mind if i give kind of a broad stroke summary of what these sure go for it are about? okay so nehelenia the villain of the last season has returned we don't know who we don't know how we don't know what but something has called her from her slumber and released her from her imprisonment within the mirrors they hand her uh, 
this dark mirror that is her dream in which her dream is obviously evil her dream is vengeance against sailor moon her desire at this point is to ensure that usagi slash sailor moon slash serenity suffers she wants to take everything away from her that she loves and cherishes so like this is specifically a personal endeavor she was content being imprisoned being beautiful and drifting forever and felt satisfied with that because she thought when chibi moon and sailor moon had left off leapt off the top of like that that tower that they had mm-hmm. leapt to their deaths so she felt like her revenge had been already exacted but this presence presented to her was like check this out they're still alive so she's given this mirror a reflection of her dark dream her dark desires and encouraged to shatter it when she shatters this it scatters across the world um, or at least japan we're not sure how far out this goes but it scatters and shards of it strike people um you see that it strikes them mostly in the eyes but you'll see like with haruka it strikes her arm or something like or her hand her hand and um Michiru is able to remove it for her right away. But one of the the people affected by this is Mamoru. The outer senshi are awakened when this attack happens. And we see that Setsuna has actually gone and retrieved baby Hotaru. And she comes back to the others, to um, Michiru and Haruka, right in time for these attacks to start. And these shards that did not connect with anybody had not been lodged in anybody turn into like these glass doppelgangers of nehelenia and go to attack they're called the mirror pedri what is it mirror pedri miro pedri oh yeah i just call them the i just call them the mirror putty people for like power rangers oh (laughs) yeah okay i could see that because I'm so just like, they, you're just putty people, but you're mirrors. Yeah, in many ways, yeah. So um, they they start to form into these, these mirror monsters, and um, they have a fight, and they, they're able to overcome them at this point. But, you know, this is where the, the battles start to break out. Uh, we find out that the motivation why they're getting attacked specifically and not just every single person on the street is because she wants to wipe out, Nehelenia wants to wipe out everyone related to the White Moon. And uh, this is kind of how these battles progress. We do get the team, you know, having their own fights before the outer senshi and the inner senshi kind of connect and then at, at some point, they all wind up in Nehelenia's mirror realm. Her night, what is she, it's like her nightmare realm? Yeah. How so, does she describe it? Um, she basically says it's her domain. And if you look at it, it's really kind of like the dilapidated, so it's like this really strange red-green di- dimension, like kind of lava lampy like dimension. And in there is kind of like the dilapidated remains of one of the Dead Moon Circus tents and a very large staircase leading up to it. Um, right. So let's, let's rewind back, back. Yeah. So the way we the, get to there. This... Okay. Sorry. So, shall, shall I? <laughs> Let me know if I'm... I need to back up a little more. But we do have. We, we... I would the... like. I would Go like ahead. to back up because before we get to Hariga Michiru. Chibiusa announces, because, like, all the girls are happy that they're now in high school, and Chibiusa announces that she's going home. Mm-hmm. And um, she takes forever to do it. And because she takes forever, Nehelenia has the opportunity to break her mirror. And these shards fall from the sky, and it looks like a very intense meteor shower. And this meteor, sh- this quote-unquote meteor shower, interrupts the space-time portal, so Chibiusa can't go back and can't reopen it. And one of these shards also falls into Memori's eye. And so kind of like Nehelenia in this and also in Super S is sort of an amalgamation of all of the bad guys in Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, 
and the Snow Queen. Like, very mm-hmm. much these six episodes, I was like, this is just the Snow Queen story. Like, Mamoru is Kei, and Usagi is Gerda, and she's trying to rescue him. Right. You know, like, the mirror, the shattering, the shards, the eyes, the enchantments. Um, the Snow Queen doesn't really have a vested interest, unlike Nihelenia. The Snow Queen just kind of exists. Um, right. But, like, right. Nihelenia the has these curses, like, these sleeping curses, like, that can only be awoken by Trula's first kiss. And, like, here's, like, the time limit. If you don't do it by this time, they'll die. You know, mm. like, it's very much, like, a combination of multiple fairy tale enemies. It's pulling from fairy tale motifs, for sure. Yes. Uh, within the Snow Queen, there is, the story started off by, like, this hobgoblin who has this cursed mirror. Who accidentally shatters it and the shards fall into people's they either fall into people's eyes or they fall into people's hearts and in the case of um the one of the main characters um for k k it strikes his eye and his heart and mm-hmm. in that story if it strikes your eye all you can see is ugliness every deformity is exaggerated to the point of being grotesque. And when if it hits your heart, your heart grows cold and you lack emotion, you lack feeling, you lack love. In Sailor Moon, the way when it strikes people's eyes, they seem to become obsessed with their reflection. We start to Mm -hmm. see that spread throughout the city. The first thing they start reporting, they start reporting it on the news like an illness. You have people who are, they're saying it especially affects young women. And they're saying that there's like lethargy. And it's to the extent that the teachers are even like, they're stopping first period to have a meeting because they're discussing Mm -hmm. the number of absences. Because about half of the student body is not there. Like, Usagi and Minako run into school late, and, like, as they're running in, like, Usagi sees some dude who's just staring at his reflection. And she's Mm -hmm. like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, we're late, what are you doing? And Minako's like, leave him! We don't have time to save anyone else. Worry about (laughs) ourselves, yeah. And then then when when they get there, like, Ami and Mako are like, uh the teachers aren't even here if there's an emergency meeting because no one has shown up to school. Like if you look in their class, like maybe a class of 30 people and there's maybe 12, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So they're discussing basically what seems to be like an outbreak and, and, um, yeah. Uh, and I, I do want to, I do want to point out, I'm sorry. I want to rewind back to Haruka Michiru and Pluto showing mm-hmm. up. So Pluto shows up, um, when Haruka Michi are being attacked by the mirror putties and she shows up, hits him with the dead scream. Everyone's like, oh my God, but you're dead. And the anime never, cause she died in S in the anime and there's no reason or explanation how she's back, but she is. And she does this attack while holding the baby Hotaru yeah. and then put, puts her in a bush for safekeeping while they fight. And then one of the mirror putties tries to kill baby Hotaru because, of course, it does. And then baby Hotaru is like, uh, Saturn power awaken. And she goes from being a literal baby, um, who has just been stolen from her dad, <laughs> um, to a four-year-old. We never see you again. We see Professor Tomoe, who looks perfectly fine and has a mansion. And bye. You should have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had our lesbian polycule this whole time and you right. didn't give it to us. Right. Anyway. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, the, the baby, for a moment, they're like, oh no, they think the baby's going to get attacked because, like, Michiru in, uh, is holding onto Haruka, who's been knocked off the building, and Pluto's being restrained by some of the monsters, and the one, couple of them are going for the baby, but the baby has magic and explodes them, and then awakens their powers. Um, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and... But- and this whole time, like, Isagi is also trying to connect with Mamoru, but he's just not with it anymore. And mm-hmm. she's like, is something wrong? And he's like, no, I'm just tired. So she's yeah. like, breast. And she tells her friends, like, he's changed, like, something's wrong. And they're like, well, he's probably tired. You know, he's a college student and we just had all this shit happening. Like, it's fine. It's not like he stopped loving you or anything. 
but his eye still hurts. And um, before we get to the school where everyone is gone, we find out that the like mirrors and all reflective surfaces are basically um, infected by some kind of darkness. Because Ray tells everyone at the shrine, like, the sacred shrine mirror was being attacked. And she did the um, Akuryo Taisan Hana, like the Fuda, and to, to stop it. And to cleanse it, to protect it. And she's telling all of them this. And in the meantime, like, toddler Hotaru has now become, like, child Hotaru. Like, preteen Hotaru and has awakened fully as Sailor Saturn. And so when Rei is telling everyone this at the shrine, that's when they all get attacked by the mirror putties. And that's when the outer senshi show up and we get the first eternal Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's only a temporary stage. It's like how uh, Super Sailor Moon first appeared in Super, in, not in Super S, but in S, where it was a temporary thing with the Grail, and then it would wear away. It's kind of a, um, a upgrade, temporary upgrade. Yeah, um, and that's when we get the news. That's when we get like all of these people becoming missing, staying at home, and you. If they show you people in like various states of getting ready. Just kind mm-hmm. of like listlessly staring into mirrors with like a strange look on their face. And at the school, when um, Ami and Mako tell Usagi and Minako that, you know, like just people aren't showing up and that's why the teachers are having this emergency meeting, that's when Usagi sees a girl just staring into a contact, contact, compact mirror. And she's like, Is there something really interesting about it? And then she takes the mirror. And Mako sees, like, a darkness coming out of it. Mako slaps it out of Usagi's hand, so it breaks. And this girl is like, "What am? I, how am I going to live without this mirror? She's, like, devastated. And they're like, aren't you being a little overdramatic? And Mako is really sweet. She tries to offer her a comeback. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Because, you know, she questioned herself. Yeah. Like, maybe there was mm-hmm. nothing wrong with the mirror. Maybe nothing was going to hurt Usagi. And she's like, here, you can have my mirror. And the girl's just completely despondent. Not even, like, registering that she's being spoken to. Mm-hmm. And um, this is playing into the themes of these uh, cursed mirrors. Um, right. And so Usagi is concerned because with Mamoru. Because she's like, he was also starting to be like this. And so she goes to his house and there's like a really cute sequence where she's like the proof of Mamori's love for me, a key to his apartment. And then she's like, well, what, like, who am I talking to? <laughs> yeah, she's really cute. And I, I was thinking, you know, she's saying that purely for the camera. But at the same time, I'm thinking I'm kind of a spaz like that, too. If nobody's around, I talk to myself. 100% I've done the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, that checks out. And um, uh, inside the apartment is... She, you know she gets in and it's just mirrors with mirrors yeah he's been like collecting mirrors you know what's interesting i i thought it was interesting that they did just kind of seem like random mirrors kind of set mm-hmm. up randomly different designs uh, almost like it's like he had hit up every um garage sale on the way home you know <laughs> It's like he just walked into a store and was like, give me all of your mirrors. And it's like, oh, what kind of mirrors are you interested in? It's like all of your mirrors. (laughs) So you have like full length mirrors, you have rounded mirrors, you have square mirrors, you have like half length mirrors, you have like small round mirrors. He's got mirrors on the floor. And this is like he freaks out like when he realizes Usagi has like stepped on it and broken it. He's like, oh my god, the poor mirror, and is like fully ignoring her and snapping at her when she tries to take him away from the mirrors. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I just I just need to rest. And so as she like she she goes to leave, but then she looks back and she realizes that he's just gone back to staring in the mirror. He's not resting. He's just obsessed. Yeah. And she's and like, so I when left she... you food. And he did kind of snap at it for a minute because at first he's like upset with her that she cracked the mirror and that he's like, no, you know, I'm sorry. I haven't been myself. I don't know what's going on. You're right. I need to rest. She's like, I brought you food. He's, he's like, okay, I'll eat the food. And um, and like specifically mentions that her mom made it so that yeah. like if this is food, you can eat. Yeah. And he's like, I'll, I'll eat it. I promise. Yeah. Let's... Yeah, and so obviously with this concern, she goes to her friends. She's like, "This is what's happening." Chibiusa is like, "This is this is the disease. This is the thing that's going around. This is what's affecting everyone." Ray is like, "This has to be connected to the enemy because those things are made of mirrors. All of like the mirrors and the reflective surfaces are being were trying to be possessed. Like 
the enemy is connected to this. And that's when Setsuna and Hotaru show up. And they're like, things are changing. The future's in danger. Um, darkness is entering these mirrors. And so they all go to Mamoru's apartment to save him. Where um, Uranus and Neptune are already fighting. And they're fighting and flirting at the same time. And I was sitting that's there and cute. I was just like, you got, this is why everyone loves you. This is why you're the fan favorite couple. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> Because, like, um, Uranus, it, like, keeps trying to be serious, and then, like, Michiru will, like, quip something, and she's just, like, always catching her off guard. And, I I like, love Michiru. Yeah, it's, like, and there's that moment where, like, they're at the, at, earlier, earlier, they're, like, at the mm-hmm. aquarium, and Michiru's, like, I could stare at this site for hours, and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> She's like, oh, I'd rather, I'd rather be behind um, the wheel of a car. And she's like, oh, I wasn't talking about the fish. And she's like, uh. <laughs> it's so cute. Stuff like that. Oh Even gosh. in battle. I, lo- I love it. I love that Michiru is just constantly needling Haruka. It's adorable. So cute. But uh, anyway, the outer stay outside to fight. The inners rush upstairs. Uh, Sailor Moon realizes, oh, the enemy is Nahelenia because she saw Nahelenia's shadow in Mamoru's mirror and she was like, it can only be her because we just fought an enemy over dream mirrors and it has to be her. And um, I love that she gets to put it together. I know. And she does that sometimes. And it's great. But yeah, they get into his room, like, like Sailor Moon tries to pull Mamoru away from the mirrors and he throws her down. And then, like, everyone arrives in time for Nehelenia to be like, anyway, this this boy's mine. And she literally, like, drags Mamoru into the mirror, saying he's under her curse. And if Sailor Moon can't break this curse before sunrise, he's hers forever. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Chibi Moon starts to fade. And, like, finally we get a thing where, like, Mamoru is in danger, which means Chibi Yusa can't exist. Because if the future is changed and Usagi and Mamoru can't get together, Chibi Yusa can't be there. And so yeah. she starts to fade, she de-transforms, she faints, they take her back to the shrine. Um, and, you know, it's like, what are we going to do? And they're all talking about it. And Sagi's just like, fuck it, there's no time to talk. She turns into Eternal Sailor Moon herself and then just flies up to, she's like, I'm going to go get her. And they're like, don't go, it's a trap. And she's like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so basically just all- by force of will turns into yeah. this alternative form and just pieces out. She's just like, I gotta go save my man. And so the others are very concerned and Satter's just like, I mean, what's our primary duty to protect our princess? So we're just gonna go after her. And Chibisa wakes up, she transforms, and they all use a sailor teleport to get to Nihelenia. Mm-hmm. And here's a weird thing that happens. So like when Usaki arrives in Nihelenia's mirror dimension... She's detransformed into her regular school uniform. And then later on, she doesn't have her socks and shoes anymore, but she has them here. Yeah. Because Nehalenia basically turns the surroundings into a snowy tundra and are like, anyway, have fun trying to get to me by walking through this. And I'm like, what happened to your your shoes? You had them. It is like an illusion, though. So we don't know how much it is. is reality and how much is illusion. So, again, if I could just give, like, a quick um, broad strokes of this arc of the story, and then we can go back and kind of Mm -hmm. flesh out some of the details. Sure. Um, So, this is, like, you know, the second, um, the second act, the middle act, and as they wind up into this world that uh, is under Nehelenia's design, we get the group all split up. Uh, we have, let's see, it starts with Mercury and, and... And split up into unusual pairs. Which is really is cool. what I really loved about this. Yeah. So the split up, so the teams, the team is split up into Uranus, Mercury, Mars, Neptune, Venus, Pluto, Jupiter alone, and Saturn, Chibiusa. Right. Which is really cool. And, um, we have Usagi alone as well up until Jupiter gets to her. So they're both dealing, mm-hmm. you know, Usagi's dealing with separate things. And um, it's really cool because we do have this power gap between the inner senshi and the outer senshi. 
and it gives us a chance to see how they play off each other individually um, as each of them faces different challenges and yet ultimately does get captured up until the the last arc where, where Usagi finally gets caught up to Nihelenia and has her showdown. So if we want to start with each of the pairings before they get captured, we have uh, Uranus and Mercury, which they wind up, basically we find out is a labyrinth. They're running through these ruins and uh, Uranus, she just wants to go. She doesn't want to doesn't want to stop. She doesn't want to try to figure things out. Mercury is observing like she's seeing the setting they're in is like repeating. They even get up on a ridge mm-hmm. and you see like the same section repeated, repeated, repeated with these strange fogs kind of dividing the different sections. And Mercury is like, we need to stop. We need to figure this out. Something's not right here. I feel like if we continue to struggle, it's going to continue to get more and more confusing. And Uranus is like, we don't have time for that. We don't have time to just sit here and do nothing. And that's when, um, you know, Mercury, they, they continue a little further and Mercury reinforces, like, we're going to get more lost. And Nihelenia, or what appears to be Nihelenia, appears to them as like, ah, you figured out my trick. Where, like, Uranus totally did not figure out her trick. <laughs> you know, it was all on Mercury. Well, I mean, here's... Well, I mean, here's the thing with Uranus and Mercury. So, like, Uranus really is trying to push ahead the whole time. And, like, literally is just like, let's go up that hill so we can take a look at what we're dealing with. And starts running. Yeah. And does not wait for Mercury at all. So, like, Mercury's struggling to keep up and Uranus is annoyed that Mercury can't keep up. she's so slow. And, right. And Mercury is really, she's like, we need to, like, analyze this. We need to look at what's actually happening and Uranus is like, no, we need to fight through this. And so when um, the fake Nihelenia, like the image of Nihelenia on a mirror putty shows up, they attack her and those attacks are immediately reflected back. So Mercury's like, just wait and let me analyze her. And so she just stands there with her computer calculating and Uranus is like, what are you doing? And tries to keep attacking and then just gets hit down and Mercury's like, just stay down and give me time. And so Nihelenia is like, I don't know what's happening. And so she like does what I'm basically going to call force lightning because <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's it's just force lightning uh, to, to get Mercury to stop. But Mercury, you know, like eventually has to kneel down from the pain of like the power being used against her. But she continues to calculate. And so Uranus stands in front of her because Uranus is like, look, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something. So I'm going to protect you so you can finish it. And so Mercury figures out like, the person in front of us is fake because like ne- there was wind at some point and Nehalenia's hair didn't blow in the wind. And so she figures out the thing to destroy is the moon in the sky, like this new moon. And so, you know, we get a world shaking at that. It breaks the thing, but then they get trapped in mirrors anyway by Nehalenia. And so we go to Mars and Neptune yeah. who are in a forest. If we could stop on those first two for a second though. Um, what I what I do like about that pairing is, um, so Mercury especially has a little mini arc right here, because she's having flashbacks to her childhood and then being athletic and playing basketball, and then it kind of comes up, you know, she can't stop and play with them. She's not as athletic as them. She's got to go to her uh, study hall after school, but during the game, she helps the win because she helps them come up with a strategy. And her little arc there, her little learning moment is realizing that, okay, no, she can't physically keep up with Uranus, but she has her own talent that she can bring to the table, which she does by figuring out the whole whole, whole false moon, the whole projection situation, and noticing details that Uranus never would have noticed. So I just like that they had that little one for her. That's Those two have the strongest learning moment the most natural feeling learning moment. The other ones, I I don't feel like any little lesson that's in there was like compelling it or like noteworthy enough to really (laughs) get into. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so Mars and and Neptune. Yeah, so Mars and Neptune are in a forest. And this is um, one of those times where I realized, oh yeah, both of them do fortune telling. Mm -hmm. Neptune can see the future with her mirror and Mars uses her psychic powers. And so they're both 
they both use their ways to decide which direction to go, and they pick opposite directions. And Neptune's like, all right, let's go in my direction. And Mars is like, if Usagi was here, she would have gone with my choice. And Neptune is like, oh, you guys are really close, huh? Like me and Haruka. And Mars is like, we are not close like you and Haruka. (laughs) (laughs) And I was also like, they're not even close like regular friends. (laughs) They're friends. But anyways... It's, I mean, the anime at several times likes to depict Mars as caring more for Yusaki than she actually seems to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, whatever. We're not focusing on that. We can do that in the character analysis. analysis. Um, but they go, and they're surrounded by dark flames, and Mars starts to freak out, because Nihelani is there, like, setting them on fire. Neptune blasts it away with deep submerge, and she was just like, you can't trick us with an illusion like that, and Mars is really impressed by Neptune, but then uh, Nehalenia is like, okay, well, if you're gonna fight me, and then she grabs Neptune and um, uses her as a human shield against Mars. So, like, she's torturing Neptune in front of Mars and is also like, you can't hit me because I'm holding her in front. And Neptune's like, don't hesitate. If you have to kill me to get to her, kill me to get to her because the only thing that matters is our princess. And Mars does an absolutely beautiful flame sniper where she shoots the arrow slightly to the left of Neptune's waist so that it hits the Nehalenia mirror putty and shatters her. However, because of the torture that both of them have been through when the background shimmers back into the forest, they both, this is a famous gift because it's both of them walking towards each other and then just falling face first into shallow water, (laughs) but also their proportions are really off. So like half of their bodies are just legs with these tiny, tiny skirts. There's so much legs. Oh my god, it was so... I was like, this is appalling. But anyway, they fall face down into the water and they get trapped in mirrors just like Uranus and Mercury were. And uh, we switch to Nehalenia gloating over Usagi in the tundra. and But like Usagi can't see her. So she changes the tundra into a field of flowers. So it's just like we're going to have a different setting now for you to confuse you because instead of suffering in the tundra, she's just walking through a pretty landscape and then we switch to venus and pluto and this is probably the most straightforward of the depictions i do need to do a quick shout out to gray whose favorite crack ship is venus pluto because they don't make any sense (laughs) okay what up gray this is for you (laughs) and then they got married the end (laughs) um but with Venus and Pluto, it's very straightforward in that they're just being attacked by a horde of the mirror putties, and they come across to a chasm and a rickety old bridge, and Pluto's like, get across, get away. And Venus is like, what about you? And she's like, I'm going to hold them off. And Venus is like, uh, I don't want to go without you. And Pluto's like, you're the leader of the century, so you have to survive and protect the princess. So Venus starts to go across the bridge, and then hears Pluto struggling, and is like, no, fuck it. And, like, runs back, grabs Pluto, and starts dragging her across this bridge as, like, the mirror pagey follow them. And so, of course, the bridge snaps, and, like, it falls. And Venus does the love me chain to, like, grab one of the posts on the other side so that they don't fall into this chasm. And, like, Pluto and Venus kind of laugh because they're like, oh, you know, like, thought we were dead. And then they look up. And it's Nehalenia holding the other end of the chain, and then she drops it, and so they fall into the chasm and into the mirrors. So there's this very straightforward and not as nuanced as it could be. And I think a lot of that is because they don't develop Pluto. Yeah, I mean, there's not much... Pluto's entire personality is sacrificing herself. And so that's exactly what they do. She's like, go on ahead, cut the ropes behind you, even if I haven't caught up. And Minako's so like, are you sure? Are you sure, though? And she tries to, and then she's like, nah, 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 nah. And she comes back and says, yeah. and she's like, you're the leader, you need to go ahead, blah, blah, blah. And and Venus is like, I am the leader. And that means I'm not leaving anyone behind. <laughs> you know, and it's like, Okay, yeah. cool. Because I like that she kind of puts her foot down like that. And, like, your idea of a leader and my idea of a leader are different. What our roles are are mm-hmm. different. Yes, it's like, I'm not going to leave you behind. And we're going to rescue the princess together. 
which yeah yeah honestly makes more sense in that situation it it's a large group you know and i mean a leader takes care of her soldiers yeah you know you don't she takes care of the people under her she doesn't sacrifice them right so i i did like with these three scenarios getting even though ultimately everybody got captured anyways one of my complaints with the outer sentries in the anime was that the inner sentries suddenly seemed incompetent and unnecessary like why are they there mm-hmm. when the outers are just so much more superior both inside uh inside their personal lives and inside their um their battle their their warrior personas you know just all around they were superior and it was really mm-hmm. nice in these three scenarios to be like the inners can be competent as well they capable and they have their own things they bring to the table they are not superseded by the outer senshi so yeah they like they that. have their strengths that the outer senshi don't have right and then we get our Mako spotlight, which I'm so excited about. So I love this. So Usagi's in this flower field, and then these flowers start talking to her. And they basically enchant her to make her forget, because she's like, I have to keep going, because I have to go save Mamoru. And they're like, who's Mamoru? And then they make her forget. And then she basically just gets enchanted, and she's just playing with these flowers. It's very... I mean, I... I don't, it was like, it was kind of, excuse me, it reminded me a little bit of the poppy field Mm -hmm. in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. You know, of just being enchanted by these flowers. And so Nehalini is like, well, you know, so much for your love of your man, so it's time for me to kill you. And then as she goes to hit Usagi, Jupiter pops up and is like, the fuck you will. Yeah. Um... And it's great. I mean, unfortunately, in these Jupiter shots, there are, unfortunately, panty shots when she attacks. I don't think they were too sexualized, though. There was one where it was straight up an upskirt shot, and it was not necessary. Mm. But she, yeah. There were, because nope, it didn't happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. But she's... You know, it's not just like, I'm being blasted back. It was specifically only for Jupiter. Yeah. And I have an issue with that because, like, with Jupiter's transformation with her henshins, like, there is a point where, like, as they go up, they do focus. You can see the curve of her butt. Huh. Um, which you do not see for any of the others. And so, like, that's my issue, you know, because they focus on her butt and they focus on her boobs and then, you know, her face. And I guess just because Jupiter is my favorite, I'm like, I don't need you to over-sexualize Jupiter. <laughs> I don't need you to do this to her. She deserves more respect. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, She does really genuinely fight against Nihelenia. And Nihelenia is like, you know, you're in, you're on my turf. You're in my home. This is eternal darkness. And I fucking hate Usagi. And I'm going to destroy her. And I'm going to destroy you. And Jupiter defends Usagi, not just physically, but emotionally. She's like, Usagi is everything to us you know she's it's not just because she's our princess we love her because she cares for us Uh because she laid down her life for us because she's our friend you know yeah she's always there for us no matter what and then she says something that just drives nehelenia off a cliff which is don't you have a friend like that yep and of course nehelenia can't handle being pointed out that she is alone and mm-hmm. so, like, the fight intensifies. Um, Mako loses, I should say, Jupiter loses one of her earrings. And yeah, it, so this is... she shields Usagi. She, she takes all the hits while shielding Usagi. And this is, I think, the first time in the anime we've taken a second to zero in on uh, Mako's iconic rose earrings. Because she has these pink rose mm-hmm. earrings that get a little bit of spotlight in the manga uh, that are always there in the anime but are never mentioned. And she's... Wor- I think at one point, I think in her intro, they were mentioned. But that was years ago at this point. Yeah. And, um, like, it's one thing... I know at least in the manga, it's one thing I think Usagi notices. Because mm-hmm. Mako is kind of painted early on as, like, this tomboy you know very strong very masculine but 
she mm-hmm. wears these little pink rose earrings. This tough Yankee That type. kind of hints that she's actually more feminine than she comes across. So Jupiter loses one of her earrings, and Usagi is still in an absolute complete daze. And this is the point yeah. when um, she finally succumbs to Nehelenia, and she herself is trapped in a mirror. But that... Jupiter is trapped in a mirror. Right, Jupiter is trapped in a mirror. And Usagi is still there in a daze, but that rose earring falls next to her. And all the other flowers in the field are like wildflowers. And it manages to catch her, her eye. And the rose suddenly sparks flashes of memories of of Mamoru, of Tuxedo Mask, of a red rose, um, which I think is a really cool use of that motif. Mm-hmm. You know, um, letting it be used in that way because it's always been there, you know? <laughs> and in this... Right, and, and to have that be a representation of his memory. Yeah, and so Jupiter is in a mirror, she's trapped, she's been sent away, but uh, Usagi sees the rose, her memories come flooding back to her, and she's like, I remember, and she just, sheer force of will shatters the illusion around her, and faces uh, this Nihilidia, uh which again, I'm pretty sure this is another one of her doppelgangers. Yeah, yeah, so Usagi's like, I'm going to fight you. And Nehalenia again changes the scene. And she's like, okay, well, you're going to have to come get him in my palace. And so, like I said before, that dilapidated, you know, circus palace um, kind of floating in air with a long staircase leading up to it. And then the staircase is covered with thorns and bramble. And she was like, good luck getting to me through this. And Usagi, like, pauses, looks at these, you know, thorny vines. And is like, okay, and just starts pushing her way through them. And Helene is just like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) And there's an implication that she's enduring, even though they can't depict that much damage on her, there's an implication Mm -hmm. that she's enduring a lot of pain. You know, she's walking barefoot through the snow, so her feet, you know, we got a little bit of blemishes on them, but, you know, they'd be jacked Mm -hmm. up. And now she's climbing through this uh, wall of thorns, this whole path of thorns. Which, you know, again, we're getting yeah. back to our fairy motifs, fairy tale motifs. This is clearly a reference to Sleeping Beauty. And so there's no, no blood is ever shown on her, but they do show scratches yeah. on her hands and feet. Yeah. And her, her clothes end up torn. So we know she's getting torn up, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is a really cool scene because we got Nehalenia who's like, okay, I'm just going to watch her bleed to death. This is going to be fun. And she's got sitting in her throne, being fabulous. She's got... Um, eating popcorn. Eating popcorn. <laughs> she's got Mamoru, like, in his day's state, just sitting on the floor next to her chair. Very, uh, very Snow Queen-esque right there. Yeah. And um, she's forgotten about one more pairing. Uh, and that would be Chibi Moon and Saturn. And this is great. So Nehalenia is like, all right, time to, to sit back and, and watch these people suffer. And Chibi Moon and Saturn show up and Saturn puts her glaive against Nehalenia's throat. And it's like, uh, time to surrender, bitch. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty great. Yeah. And so Chibi Moon is trying to snap uh, Memorial out of this thing. And so... But unfortunately, at some point, like, Chibi Moon starts to fade. And so, like, the pain of that fading, you know, makes her cry out, which distracts Saturn just enough for Nehalenia to push the glaive out and to throw Saturn back. But Chibi Moon continues to plead to Memoria to wake up. And at some point, he shifts because he, he hears her calling out to him. And Nehalenia is like, that's illegal not allowed (laughs) and so she infuses more dark energy into his infected eye and so like he kind of falls back into it but then to protect Momori from any more we get Saturn you know intervening and throwing up her silence wall and I'm like I love it you'll love to see it um and so you know Chibiusa is continuing to fade and Saturn's like well if I can't 
beat you like this, then I'm just going to do what I normally do, and that is end the fucking world. Control And Helene is like, <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I have a, I have a trick up my sleeve. I have an ace in my, you know, like, I'm just going to destroy everything. And Nehelene is like, I know all about your powers. And if you do that, you'll die. So you wouldn't dare. And Saturn's like, just looks at her. And Nehelene's like, wait, shit, would you? (laughs) (laughs) Saturn is basically like, been there, done that, died and come back. Not an issue. Right. Um, <laughs> so Saturn, Nehelenia is Saturn's again, like, I have never reached adulthood, okay? <laughs> it's like, madam, I just got better from a recent death. Like, it's fine. You think I'm afraid of death? I bring death. Right. Um, me and death were pals. Death and rebirth, that I'm is on my the entire payroll. thing. I'm on the payroll. Right. She's like, it's fine. I'm going to get better. You're not. Right. <laughs> I'll come back. So, yeah, but Nehelenia is again triggered by this look of determination in Saturn's eyes, and she just freaking hates it. So she tries to attack, Saturn blocks it with Silence Glaive Surprise, and then she's about to start dropping her glaive, and we're like, <gasps> she gonna do it, she's gonna do it. And Chibi Moon stops her, because Chibi Moon doesn't want her to die again, because remember, they're best friends. And because Chibi Moon stops her, like, Chibi Moon eventually collapses, because again, she's fading, because, you know... Her dad has been captured by Nehelenia, and so she's going to stop existing. And so she falls, and this gives Nehelenia time to trap Saturn in another mirror. And at this point, Chibius is on the ground, just sort of fading in and out. And that's when Usagi has made it through all of the brambles into the palace um, in time to hold Chibiusa as she fades away for the last time. Yeah. This is beautiful animation. It does. It really... Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. They poured all of their money into this, into Chibi Moon fading away. They There was a lot of really good animation in these episodes so far. There were only a just, couple um, little blips of the cheaper animation, and none of them as cheap as what we saw in the previous season. <laughs> Um, there were a couple things where like the faces were messed up like when saturn tells everyone like oh we're just gonna have to follow sailor moon you know her face was wrong yeah there was i was like what is happening here yeah no there was definitely some some wonkiness but again it it was still a higher quality than where we've been but yeah this scene with all the drama and us losing chibi moon chibi moon actually fading away out of existence um they spent their time on it And uh, it's tragic and beautiful. And then we have uh, Nehalenia just drinking in all of this despair. And she's Mm kind of got this attitude. Well, you think that was bad. Turn around. Look at all those mirrors. Look, that's all your friends. I got all your friends captured. You've got to hate me right now. And like Usagi definitely has this moment of anger when she loses Chibiusa. But as, like, mm-hmm. Nehalenia starts doing, like, her little uh, villain rant and, like, grabbing her throat and, like, trying to, like, she's she gonna choke her out. Like, she's gonna choke out Usagi. Usagi just, like, looks, she's like, you'll never understand what it's like to exist in loneliness for so long. And mm-hmm. Usagi just looks at her with a, a look of sympathy. And again, we have this this thing when it comes to looks and appearance. And Nehalenia's obsession with them. Because Nehalenia's like, mm-hmm. stop looking at me like that. Stop looking me with, at me with sympathy, with pity. And Well, we also get a fuller look of Nehalenia's backstory. Cause before, it's just like she was this young and beautiful queen and she had everything. And then there was this mirror. But we see that, like, she was a child queen. And she, you know, she was surrounded by people, but she was always alone. She didn't have friends and so her only friend was that evil mirror. Curse mirror. And that was all that she and that was all that she needed, you know. She didn't need other people. She didn't need friends. She just, you know, needed her mirror and needed her beauty and she had everything and Sailor Moon took everything, took it all away from her and she doesn't deserve to be happy. Yeah. You know, like I she's like I defeated loneliness. I defeated it with my beauty and my mirror and I don't you know, like, I'm better than you, and you're trying to take everything from me. Yeah. 
And Usagi's like, if what you need to be happy is your revenge, then take it. You know, let my friends go, let them free, take what you need from me, and then turn your life around. It's not too late to turn everything around. You don't have to keep living like this and keep living in misery. And uh, she straight up says, like, if, like, free my friends and they will help you, like, they will forgive you. Yeah. Yeah, which, as, I don't know, maybe a couple of them. <laughs> At that, I was like, okay, maybe the only person who would be willing to forgive the Hellenia would be Mercury. Yeah. Because she loves Isagi and would be like, well, this was her final wish, so let's try to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And, like, while Mercury is saying that, like, Jupiter, Uranus, and Mars are already, like, punching her face. They're <laughs> <laughs> putting her into the ground. <laughs> and, and this really leads into our falling action here, because uh, that's where things progress. Um, right. So, because she gives, she says this kind of, this sympathetic kind, this kindness, this, like, you don't have to be, you've suffered so much. Because Yusaki's like, you're right, I don't know what it's like to be alone. And I couldn't survive it. If it was me, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have survived. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be alone anymore. Like, you, I don't want you to be alone anymore. Like, if you need to kill me to to sewage, you know, this pain, then okay, I'm fine with it. Take your revenge. Free my friends. And because of this kindness and because of this love and because of the generosity of Sailor Moon, it makes the cursed Mamoru cry. And because he cries, he cries out the mirror shard. And it breaks the spell, not only over him, but over all of the senshi trapped in their mirrors. Mm-hmm. And so Chibi Moon returns because Mamoru is no longer captive. And we have a big, beautiful swell of music. They all surround Nehalenia, but instead of being angry, they're being kind and patient. And so they surround her with the intent to help her. And we get eternal... We don't get Eternal Sailor Moon just yet, but we do get Eternal Sailor Moon. So Nehalenia is freaking out because, again, she doesn't know what to do with this kind of love. With love. Yeah. She doesn't know what this is. And it freaks her out. Excuse me. And so she starts lashing out at everyone. Um, She lashes out uh, in Chibi Moon's direction and Mamoru, like, turns to protect her and he transforms into his Prince Endymion outfit. Which I love. I just, I love the Prince and Demian outfit. I just needed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But eventually, you know, like, Isagi transforms into Eternal Sailor Moon with the power of her friends and with, like, the power of love and friendship. They restore Nehalenia to the time when she was a child so that she's not alone anymore. And so we see her wake up on her little child throne She's like, did I fall asleep? And, you know, her courtiers are like, yes, you did, but only for a little bit. Perhaps you should go rest. So she's like, okay. And then as she moves to leave, she turns around and she says, would someone come with me and sing a lullaby? And they're like, yeah, of course. And she smiles and that's, that's it. That's curtains for Nehalenia. Yes. So she changes her fate by reaching out. She basically gets, you know, it's almost like time turns back for her and she gets a chance mm-hmm to start over yeah. that or she died and like this is her her death hallucination but <laughs> it's sailor moon so that's probably not the case probably not what's happening but it's really what's really cool is this taps into sailor moon she's a guardian but she is a healer she's a fighter mm-hmm. but she's also a healer her primary power is love and what she destroys mm-hmm. is hatred, is evil, is darkness. Uh, it's She destroys forces that want to gobble up dreams and take people's happiness away. But she never is short of empathy, of compassion. And even in her darkest hours, you know, in this moment, Nehalidia was so cruel to try to take everything away from her. And she still wanted to offer her redemption because she could see that, you know, at the heart of it was this, at the heart of it, Nehalenia was another victim. She was a Mm -hmm. child who had been 
uh, corrupted and misled and cursed by this evil force. And yeah. I think it's really cool that in even in those last moments where everything could have been lost or the, that that moment when all her friends were free, they could have just decimated this this being. And instead, she mm-hmm. still extended compassion and let Nihil- provided a way for Nihilenia to go back and try again and be free of yeah. the evil curse, the evil attachment for the mirror that was on her. And you could see her eyes change. Mm-hmm. Because when she is in her non-cursed form, she has, like, these pretty deep blue eyes. And when she's cursed, she has, like, these sickly pale eyes with yellow cat slits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun stuff. It's it's great. And so as, like, the sentry stand there, you know, saying, like, well, I guess, you know, she's been restored. She's happy. Uh, Eternal Sailor Moon turns to Jupiter and says, you know, I have to return this to you. And it's her rose earring. And it's just very sweet. Mm-hmm. And the whole team's just glad that it's over. We're like, yee, woo, this is done. And then that mysterious voice that broke Nehelenia out of her prison that was like, don't you want to be free? Don't you want to get your revenge? You know, these people got away with it. You hear it laughing in space. And that's how these six episodes end. Uh, I wrote in the notes, goodbye, Nehelenia. I won't miss you. Aw, I like Nehelenia. <laughs> I like I like manga Nehelenia. I don't really care for anime Nehelenia. Nah, I still like her. She's great. She's I mean, yeah. she's terrible. It's at all personal everything. preference. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. She's yeah. she's a ter- terrible management. She's the worst boss <laughs> ever. Her motivate her motivation is absolutely insane, and that's what I love about it. I just love that she's just like this glam queen. Uh, she still lacks. A, a sympathetic background like the only sympathy you can offer mm-hmm. is well she's not entirely responsible because she was being influenced and controlled but her her motivation once cursed is just i want to be pretty forever and i want to do whatever it takes to make that happen and you're like okay girl <laughs> it's like the worst kind of toxic femininity yeah yeah but it's it's campy and it's fun and uh, I want to see more Nehelenia cosplayers. I mean, she's gorgeous, and I, I do want to cosplay as her, because I love her Oh, dress. that would be badass. Um, <laughs> she's so pretty. I support pretty. that idea. Right? I would make a good Nehelenia you cosplayer. You would. That would be so cool. Long wavy hair. Ah. Okay. And then you could cosplay as Chibiusa, and I could, like, choke you out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a date. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I think I think probably like why I'm like I'm not going to miss you is just because Super S was a rough time for me, and I'm like you know what you you represent this now. You're just over the Dead Moon arc in general. I'm just so over the Dead Moon arc. I'm I you know like as much as I love the Amazonas Quartet, I'm just like you know what like it was too little, too late. Right, but good news, we've uh, made it. This is this is it for the Dead Moon arc for Nehalinia's arc. She's over. She's done with. Yeah, so uh, we didn't mention at the start of this video, at the start of this video, at the start of the, the podcast, that there is a brand new theme song yes. for the series. So for all four seasons, all of the first four seasons, it has always been Moonlight and Tetsu. And now it is the Sailor Star song. Mm-hmm. And so interestingly enough, they do show like the silhouettes of the uh, starlights but they do not show their faces. So it's very similar to like when um, in the first season where it would show... Usagi, but uh, Mars and Mercury were still in shadow because they haven't been introduced yet. Which I love. Um, I love that detail when they do that for intros. It's like it's there and it's like, who's it going to be? And then they're in the show and they're like, oh, that was them all along. I love that. Yeah, that's who it is. It's it's very great. I'm very excited. Um, Sailor Star Song, the lyrics were actually written by Naoko Takeuchi. Um, I didn't know that. It's a bop. Yeah, she wrote the lyrics for uh, Sailor Star Song and for Kirari Sailor Dream, uh, which is the opening theme song for uh, the live action, if I'm recalling correctly. Oh, that's so great. So, I love the Sailor Star Song. It's a bop. Like, it's so good. I can't hit a single note of it. So I will always sing along to it. I always sing along to it, and it does sound like I'm murdering a cat oh. the whole time. 
<laughs> I don't believe you. I think you have a good voice. I, well, it's at a much higher register than I can sing. So I'll try to hit those notes and I, I can't hit those notes and I don't have the, the training to kind of lower it down to where I can actually gotcha. sing it. You're more, yeah, you're more of an alto. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But I used to be a soprano. So like all of my memory of singing ah. is soprano. So I try to do soprano. So I don't know how to sing as an alto. Freaking aging, man. I mean, you know, I could have learned if I had gone back to chorus in high school, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's my own fault. I did it to myself. Oh, it's okay. But yeah, this has been a fun, I, this was a good, I really enjoyed these six episodes. This is a real good cap to where we've been. And it's also a real good uh, intro into where we're going to wind up. So I think it's a perfect little bridge here. I'm really looking forward to stars. Yeah, I think with stars, uh, we get more Haruka and Michiru. Obviously, we have a little bit of Pluto and Saturn, but not that much, but they're there. And I think that was the, the purpose of these six episodes is really, uh, well, we didn't fully get rid of Nihilania, and this is a way to bring the outers in because they were completely missing from Super Ass. So, yeah. Yay. I understand why they did it, but I'm also mad that it doesn't matter. We've had so many conversations about this throughout all the previous episodes about Super S, so y'all know how I feel about this. <laughs> you know our feelings already. <laughs> <laughs> all right, shall we wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap this up. Okay. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Pod, or contact us through email at Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Barbara Daly for the use of her artwork. You can find all the information in our show notes. Please rate and review us wherever you find us. Or, skinny go at that. Oh, shit,